In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. On Thursday night, I got caught in the thunderstorm, uh, just eating at a restaurant in this block, uh, just around the corner. Um, My nephew said, um, oh, let's just wait it out. But no, I said, no, I'm going home. And so I ran in the thunderstorm wearing keen sandals and pulled something in my foot. That's why I'm limping around. Uh, All I knew was that it hurt worse than I had ever had anything hurt in my foot, and I felt a kind of pop. So I went home and I thought, well, should I go to the hospital or not? And I thought, well, I'll wait till Friday. I'll go, I'll see the doctor Friday morning. But all Thursday night, the fears were playing out in my head. What have I done to my foot? Is it going to need surgery? Am I going to need one of those huge boots or cast? Uh, What about the conference I've got to go to next weekend and celebrate the Eucharist? What about vacation the week after? Um, On and on and on, my fears played out. Of course, the next day, the doctor took an x-ray. It's not as bad as all that. It'll get better. I just need to stay off it. So that was the good news. But it made me think about how real fear can be for all of us, whether it's fear of the direction of our country or the world or um, fear of what's going on at work or fear of what's going on or or perhaps is perceived as going on in a relationship or fear of what's going on in our bodies. All that energy that went into fear and worry for me Thursday night uh, happens in small and large ways every day, every night. It doesn't take an emergency like that to trigger fear. Today's scriptures invite us to think a little bit about fear, about what we might be afraid of, about God's desire to bring us through all that scares us. And finally, the scriptures offer us a hint of what the kingdom of God might look like, which is to say a place that is fearless, a place with no fear at all. In Genesis, we hear the word of God come to Abram, don't be afraid, fear not, Abraham. We hear that over and over again in Scripture. And of course, it means the person is afraid, or God or the angel wouldn't have said, don't be afraid. (laughs) God tries to convince Abram and Sarah that they're going to be Abraham and Sarah, and um, the, the story that's written in shorthand in our icon over there is about to happen to them. These two old faithful people are about to become the, 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 the progenitors of a great people, uh, to be the ancestors of what we know as Christianity and Judaism and Islam. Um, don't be afraid. Sure, those are pretty words from the angels or from God or from anyone else. But how is one in Abram or Sarai's position supposed to take those seriously? They must have both worried and feared about all sorts of things. Even though they had known God's promises to be fulfilled up to that point, how would they know about the future? 
The story of Abraham and Sarah is, uh, is recalled in the gorgeous reading we heard from Hebrews. It's almost like a hymn to faith. As the writer to Hebrews goes through this long litany of all the people who have been made more by their faith than God. They've been strengthened. They've been changed. They've been given what they needed to move forward. Fear often has to do with the power of things unseen, doesn't it? Things in our imagination or things we we worry about. And of course, sometimes it's good to be afraid of things unseen, like ticks in the woods or sharks in the water. But often on, on land, fear can stifle us. Fear can keep us stuck. Fear can make us shut down. When I think of the power of fear, I often think of one of my favorite books that some of you know well because I've talked about it before. It's by Stella Gibbons, written back in 1932. It's called Cold Comfort Farm. And there's a wonderful film made of the book that you can watch. Though I'll I'll give you this hint. If you watch the film, turn the subtitles up. Even though it's in English, the writer has created various uh, dialects of what she thinks might be a a little village in England in the 30s. So uh, it helps to watch the subtitles. It's a wonderful story. It has to do with a a beautiful young woman, Flora Post. She's a smart 19-year-old in London, but she's orphaned. She has no place to go, no place to live. And so she writes all the relatives she knows about. Finally, she receives an invitation from one distantly related family whose last name is Stark Adder. They mention along the way that someone in their family did Flora's father wrong, and so they figure it's the least they can do to have her come and live on their farm, their farm named Cold Comfort Farm. So it gives you a sense of what's ahead. Every direction on this farm, there are dreary characters. The horse is named Viper. The cows are named Aimless, Graceless, Feckless, and Pointless. The whole sad family is ruled by a matriarch who refuses to come out of her room in the attic. Aunt Ada Doom is her name. And she won't come out because years and years ago as a little girl, as she says, she saw something nasty in the woodshed. No one knows what it was. But it seems to have stuck her in her attic room. It seems to have stuck the whole farm. Everywhere you look at the farm, things are in decay. They're dying slowly out of fear. Ada Doom's fear, which has infected everyone else. I don't want to spoil the story for you, but I will say that the arrival of this relative from London, Flora Post, and her common sense way of interacting with each family member um, eventually helps Aunt Ada to put fear in the woodshed where it belongs and to step into life again. And guess what? There's a a trickle-down action that happens, and everyone at the farm seems to move out of whatever fear they had, and they move forward into a new kind of freedom. Jesus says, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid, because in God's good pleasure, God wants to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the holy realm, that special place of God, will look different for each one of us. Think not so much about the the pictures that come out of Sunday school or art history even, but think about what that holy realm of God's presence eternally might be for you. Whatever fears might be gnawing at our insides, whatever fears there might be that limit us or hold us back or keep us stuck, God wants to pull us through those fears into this new place, this new realm, this new world of faith, often called God's kingdom. In the gospel today, Jesus says, get ready. Then he uses a number of images to convey this sense of anticipation, to try to help us see what it's like when we we greet the kingdom of God as it begins to break through. He says, be like those who are charged with taking care of a house while the owner is away. Be like those caretakers who are in charge when the head of the house is away at a wedding. And be awake and be ready for the return. Jesus, of course, is speaking in first century Palestine, and slavery was an institution in that day. Uh, It was a very different kind of slavery than anything we might know of in our culture. Um, It had no racial overtones, and people could work and find their way out of slavery. And so it's a very different thing. It in no way normalizes what is understood as slavery. Think of those words in scripture as sort of the the lowest of the lowest servant. But even there, see what Jesus does. He switches things. Even the, the least paid, most ignored servant will be served by the head of the house when the head of the house comes back. And so God's kingdom, God's holy realm is a place of reversals. Just like Our Lady Mary sings in the Magnificat. We hear these reversal stories throughout scripture. People who are stuck in fear, stuck in old habits, afraid to move forward, and they meet Jesus and something changes. There's that woman who's been caught in adultery. They're ready to stone her. But even if they let her go, she's caught in her own reputation. They've got her stuck in a bad place, and she's rightfully afraid. But Jesus forgives her and invites her to leave fear behind and move forward in a new kind of faith. There's Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who's stuck up in a tree and Jesus walks by. But Jesus calls him down out of that tree and into and among people. Zacchaeus doesn't need to be afraid anymore of being laughed at or made fun of or hated. Jesus says, stop being afraid. And calls him into God's kingdom. There's Mary Magdalene who on that first Easter morning leaves her fear in an empty tomb where it belongs. And because of that she's able to see the resurrected Jesus. She's able to move forward in the kingdom of God that Jesus promises. When Jesus talks about this kingdom of God, he's not talking about a physical place. It's not a a location as much as it is a state, a way of being, a, a type of consciousness, another awareness. The kingdom of God is wherever God's will is actively done. 
It's where human needs are met, where sin is forgiven, where lives are changed by the truth of God's love and by the fire of God's forgiveness. The kingdom of God is that place where we, all of us, live into the depth of God's love, where we learn to forgive each other and show love to each other in practical, real ways. This summer, as uh, some of us stay right where we are and others move all over the globe, um, may we never move very far from God's holy realm. Uh, May we be open to Jesus' call for us to move inward into that peaceful, holy place where God lives for all of us. The writer of the first letter of John reminds us in those familiar words, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And so may the Holy Spirit enable us to leave fear behind, to claim the faith of the saints, and to live into God's holy realm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.